When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Gabbage out of here! <laughs> Welcome to Toronto Basketball Matters. I am Brandon Kajoka, your host and producer, and with me are the usual suspects. To my left is Gregory Euroshadis. What up, T Dot? The sport doctor himself. And to my right is my half Asian brother, Christian Graffin. Greetings. Not so German after all, Christian. Just 7.6% German. One of those uh, DNA tests, I guess? Or yeah, the 23 and me. I, I really? Was, I, I did do that, and I found out that I am only 7.6%. French and German, and I'm 7.9% British and Irish. And Papa so doesn't I'm, know yet. So, thank God he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, well, there's 49.8% <laughs> is Southeast Asian, basically. Cool. And the rest of it's European. So it's like a mix of European. I am a mix of European, yeah. Pretty That's much a... a all... The, all Look, everyone's fucked everyone, man. Like, you know, you conquer a place, you know. The crazy part about it is you can look at it and you can see how many cousins you have, too. So I can see literally there are people that are between my second and third cousin, and there's like 30 of them (laughs) out there in the world. You know, I was thinking of doing that test, but I hate the commercials so much that it soured me. Well, I mean, I did it. Be- I didn't see the commercials. I did it before I saw the commercials. I see. And there was a deal for 150 bucks. Okay. So. All right, boys, let's get back on track. Yesterday was a massive <laughs> day in the world of NBA basketball. Massive. Forget massive about day. DNA. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We digress. So NBA draft was held yesterday. Uh, incredible draft. Everything went as expected going up until about the eighth pick. We'll get into that later. Plus a couple massive trades, including, including the trade of Jimmy Butler to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Guys, I want to start off with your top 12 grades. I don't want to go over the entire draft itself, but I'm going to look at some of the more prominent picks involved in the draft. And I'm going to start it off with Markel Fultz. Greg, I'm going to bring it to you. What do you grade the Philadelphia 76ers for drafting Markel Fultz? No idea. Got to see the kid play in the NBA. I know you're very high on him. Uh, He looks like a smaller version of James Harden. Uh, with a better jump shot. I know there's a lot of hype around the kid, but as of now, it's just hype. I really got to see these kids play. Uh, I'm I'm curious about this number three pick by the Celtics. Let's stick to one. So, Graffin, what do you got for uh, for Philadelphia? What are you going to give them? An A, B, A minus? What's your view on the draft? The selection, yeah, like the fit, a, the player, I, what I you've like, seen from him so far, well, and how but, he fits in the Philadelphia 76ers organization. That organization is a joke. So, I don't know. You're uh, a joke. I completely disagree with you on that one. But well, when's the last time they had a winning season? You don't even Yo, you're right. You're right. Know. You're right. Look, you're right. But I look at this yeah, organization. I look at this team on paper. Right, in the right, draft. Right, right. He's the most talented player in the draft. Mm-hmm. You got the number one pick. You take the kid. Sure. It's a good pick. A B++. Well, for me personally, I was kind of, you know, Lonzo Ball could potentially be a transcendent talent. I he has a bigger Lonzo upside, Ball. I think, than Markel Fultz, even though I think Markel Fultz is going to be a fantastic basketball player. And Lonzo Ball picked... might make more sense, structurally speaking, as a better fit on the 76ers, considering we have Why? guys like Ben Simmons. You know, a ball, like a, a point guard like Lonzo is Ball. A pass first the of offense. He's an incredible Simmons, playmaker. But isn't Ben Simmons a pass-first point forward-looking, but he's a No, no, guard. no. Lonzo Ball is a primary, primarily no, no, no. a distributor. I know about Ball, but I'm asking about Simmons. I thought he was an assist-first player. 
but I'm talking about someone who can feed the ball to the low post to guys like Joel Embiid, you know, kind of feed it to Ben Simmons on the elbow, you know, just have the ability to kind of run the offense through that one type of player. See, to me, I, I think the, re- the reason why I like the pick is because, I think I said this before, but they kind of, I think, are adapting the Cleveland Cavaliers model where Ben Simmons is going to play the three, right. as kind of like LeBron does, as like a bigger three who facilitates and gets most of the assists, and then Markel Fultz will play a point guard kind of like Kyrie, I see, where okay. he's more so the scoring option. Well, what I was trying to get at but then they also have Joel that, you know, with, with the injury history of, you know, Ben Simmons missing a big chunk of time last year in the entire season, actually, Joel Embiid not playing, you know, like, what, 33 games within the last three years as well. You know, Markel Fultz gives 33 Atlanta great fans, games. <laughs> great games, for sure. But I'm saying, you know, that team is torn with injury concerns. So, you know, having a guy like Markel Fultz who can facilitate the offense by himself and not having to depend on teammates is a good safety net for the Philadelphia 76ers. And with, well, in the consideration that they have two transcend, borderline transcendent players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they do have a pretty sketchy injury history. Look, I'm going to take into a fact that take basically that they traded for this pick as well. Don't forget that. They, they had the third pick. They traded up. They got the first pick. They really wanted him. They um, gave up their first-round pick for next year, right? Yeah, I think that they're not going to be as – I know that you doubt it, but I don't think next year they're going to be that bad. I don't think it's even – they're not going to be the playoffs. I, no, but I don't think the pick's going to be in the top Yeah, yeah it's not going to be a lottery pick. I don't think. Exactly. So for me... Uh, that makes sense. You yes. Know what? From that perspective, you're right, Christian. Yes, so for me, it's actually, a good uh, trade, and because yeah. of that trade, I'm going to give this an A+, because he's going to be, he's, for me, the player with the most potential in the draft. I got A, um, but very close to an A-plus as well. Uh, so number two, L.A. Lakers taking Lonzo Ball. Um, you know, I guess his dad kind of predicted this at birth, uh, Mr. LeVar Ball. And uh, destiny was fulfilled. Lonzo Ball is the point guard for the LA Lakers, and he's the definitive point guard with the D'Angelo Russell trade a couple days ago. Graffin, how do you grade this uh, this pick by the Lakers? I mean, after getting rid of D'Angelo Russell and seeing what their sort of future uh, plan is, where they're kind of getting all their contracts, they're trying to get them all offloaded for the end of next year so they can make a run and sign Paul George. So for me, I think it's a great it's a great pick. I think it's an A. Um, Lonzo Ball, like you said before, is a pass-first kind of a player. And if they can get – I mean, it's Lakers. The Lakers are one of those teams that can attract free agents. Paul George is just one example. You get If they start being an actually a good team, they're going to get even more free agents. So especially when everybody's leaving the Clippers right now. So for me, it's an A. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an A. It's also an A from a marketability standpoint. You're talking about uh, an, an L.A. kid, right, UCLA product. And a Magic Johnson potential protege here. Don't I don't think that should be understated. Magic can work with this kid. I first saw him play against Darren Fox. Uh, Darren Fox outplayed him. But I was in awe of the way that that kid plays the game. He reminds me of... He's like a, uh, a mix between a Jason Kidd and a Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Ooh, he, that's a lofty comparison. He has that cerebral, like, even, like, the way he was passing the ball is, like, um, phenom-esque, the way he was passing the ball. You don't see people pass, you don't so you see, see kids no pass like that. So you see no concerns in the professional game with this kind of shoot-from-the-chest sort of shot? No, it goes in, it goes in. Sean Merriam shot funny. As long as it see, it's in. funny to me. I feel like you like ball better. You compared ball to kid and magic, whereas no. you said, whereas you said, Fultz. It's too hard to tell right now because it's too early, and you know what I mean. No, I uh, Fultz is, is a better scoring player, but who do you think's gonna have a better fit, career? But in terms of the fit, in terms of the draft and the fit, yeah. I like that for the Lakers because it make uh, you know what I mean. Like it, it makes sense from a marketability standpoint. I think they're both gonna average above thirty minutes next year a game, which is it's all about opportunity. See, one of the biggest issues I kind of personally have with this trade is. You know, the decision to ultimately decide that Lonzo Ball is the point guard of the future, subsequently trading D'Angelo Russell, you know, getting rid of the horrible Mozgov contract, but also trading the number two overall pick a couple years ago. And a guy you picked over, Chris Sappis Porzingis. Can you just let me finish where I'm going here, buddy? There we go. All right, so my whole thing with that is that I think D'Angelo Russell personally is a better point guard than Lonzo Ball in the long run. I think Lonzo Ball has a substantially better upside. But I think when you're talking about having someone who can just sort of – blend in with what you want out of a modern point guard not only a guy who can distribute the ball but who can shoot and create and you know uh, shoot off the dribble as well drive the lane just kind of like a Markel Fultz light that's why I'm so big on Markel Fultz is why I kind of would have personally picked Andrew Russell over Lonzo Ball listen I think Lonzo's gonna be a good basketball player and I think he's a fantastic transcendent playmaker but again with his jump shot with his herky-jerky sort of from the chest jump shot I know you mentioned Sean Marion but as a guy like I just that, that that's an issue a, a, a his percentages are so Lonzo red. good though yeah 
he's playing college though when UCLA because though. Because right? you need to be interrupted. What else are we players on? <laughs> you need to be interrupted because Lonzo Ball's career at this point, I will make you a thousand dollar bet that at the end of Lonzo Ball's career and D'Angelo Fuckface's career, Lonzo will go down in history as a better point guard. What's your issue with D'Angelo Russell, personally? What don't you like about D'Angelo Russell as a point guard? Besides his mediocre play, is his... Has he ever been in? A, has he ever been in a situation? Has he ever been in a situation where he can actually be a point guard in a, like a healthy environment playing for the LA Lakers? Yo, the Nets aren't he very. He had healthy. the ball in his hand, with no expectations. What do you mean? Okay, so first he season was a Kobe Bryant retirement tour, so he was getting next to no yeah, touches so as a, a rookie point guard, number two overall. All time greatest. Learning players. from jacking up thirty shots per game and reclaiming your glory to go out with a bang. That's so basically you, what I see so in the situation. Your, so you record your friend talking about cheating on a girl. Look, I'm not a big D'Angelo. Why are you bringing in the TMZ to the conversation? Because We're talking about that his on-court play. I actually like how. Ball I think that situation shows Nicky Young shitty character. Who's the fuck? Listen, thing listen. Going I actually, into that. Listen, I actually like the character of the young man, despite what uh, people say about his dad. I think his dad is his hype man, and I want to talk about his dad a little later in some of his comments mm-hmm. because I think he's got some good points that you don't hear a lot in the media because the media is so corporatized. Uh, but um, I don't think there's any question that Lonzo Ball, that's why they traded him, because D'Angelo Russell a, is not yeah, at I don't, his level. I don't see a Lonzo competitor Ball is already a better basketball I don't player. see a competitor out of that kid, Lonzo Ball. I look, when he played against Deron Fox both times this season, and that guy did not want it at all. That guy didn't want to win that fucking game. The way he his showed up in that game, how Deron Fox his just dominated him. His team isn't as good. His team isn't as I'm good. I'm talking about ISO 101 matchups. Deron Fox and Deron Lonzo Fox Ball. Deron Fox doesn't make his teammates better. This kid will make his teammates better. And as a point guard, your primary job, and that's what Christian picked up on my reservations about Fultz. I love that the kid can score at the point guard. I used to play point guard, and I love to score as a point guard. But you're you're the point. Like, your whole thing is to start the play. You need to get your teammates going. Mm-hmm. You're the general. So I see that potential in Lonzo Ball. He's that once-in-a-generation type passer. A forgotten art. He reminds me of a Ricky Rubio with his passing. How yeah. far is that taking yeah, Ricky Rubio Russell. in the NBA, though? How far is that taking Ricky Rubio in the NBA? Being an incredible playmaker, but having next to no jump but shot, which might be, be the issue with Lonzo Ball. I don't understand why you better. say that. Why do you? He's going to be better. You continuously say he's definitely going to have a bad jump shot, but he's continuously. Flawed, man. It, what are I know, mechanics but if defense, it goes in? The defense in the in college, I admit, is not as good as the NBA, but he's averaging great numbers and he shoots over five it goes a game. in it goes in that's all that matters he shoots man. Above I'm, not that. I'm not denying that on a college level he's an absolutely fantastic he also has range he showed Barry the NBA shot range underhand free throws Okay. So what do you give the pick to Lonzo Ball? He's Lonzo's on Barry, and he's a horrible time. shooter as well. What do you so give the pick? I give the pick B+. Plus. I'm not, like, I don't B absolutely plus. hate okay. Lonzo Ball, but I don't think it's a discussion for me to say that I think it was, you know, I, I, that I would pick personally D'Angelo Russell over Lonzo Ball. So for me, the third pick is That's where crazy. you guys might, you might disagree with me here. I'm giving Boston a C. I think that they were way too fixated pretty much on Tatum. They even mentioned at one point that they would have That's taken bullshit. Him, they would have taken him first even if they had the first That's round bullshit. pick still. That's bullshit. That ain't so, bullshit for saying that. <laughs> honestly, I honestly think that they were and this is this is the Boston Danny Age type of thing to do is to get really into one player and just go no matter what to say you're going to get him. And Chuck I honestly Shirley. do believe that they would have went to him. So next year he's not going to get that many minutes. Right. Like I was saying earlier, it's all about opportunity. I, I can see him being a similar role to like uh, to Jalen Brown this year, where he shows potential, but he's not going to get the opportunity. Right. I, I like this pick because I think it just fits what Boston needs right now. And what Jason Tater brings to the table is that I think, personally, he's the most readily available score coming out of college. In you know Duke, what I mean? In Duke, he's a guy he was... who can come in right away, play the three, maybe make trade Jay Crowder. I'm not quite sure what will happen in that situation the Boston Celtics. But he's the kind of guy that can come in right away and put up points on the board. <laughs> Listen, though? I think he has a limited upside, absolutely, and I give it a B. I give it a solid B. I'm not as – I don't really shit on that pick, only for the fact that I don't really see – like I don't see Boston taking another guy in this draft. Like I don't think any any other player that should be going third overall structurally fits in with the Boston needs. In a team like Duke that was really good, he was still the second best scorer to Luke Kennard in the team, mm-hmm. right? So, and yeah, maybe he's a year younger, but still, I I I don't know. To me, 
Someone who's supposed to be the best offensive player, that's the most ready NBA polished, is not even the highest scorer on their own team. Is how I don't know. To me, that's kind of a warning flag. Six foot eight. He's six eight. He plays the the three. He can play four as well. He's like very Danny Green. Yeah, I. I think he's, he's like a Carmelo Anthony-ish type of player. Like I'm telling you, he's, he's not, not going to be uh, like a. To, no, he's not that strong. Jason Tatum's a pretty strong boy. I'm saying I'm not. I'm not make, making like a direct comparison. I'm yeah. saying like skill, like like offensively, what he brings okay. to the table is very similar so, with what Carmelo so does. So I'm, I give it a a B plus in that I see. Look, I mean, Ainge is smart. The new NBA three point shooting bigs, all that. I mean, he's not really a big. He's a hybrid player, wing player to a power forward. But I'm as a Raptors fan. I'm happy because it doesn't make the Celtics that much better in the next year or two. Like, maybe in three or four years, then Jalen Brown and him will be an established Ooh. force. But I would, I was more worried about them getting a player like Josh Jackson or Markel Fultz. See, the issue with Josh... A, who would have a, a, an immediate impact because of their athleticism. Right. Like, I think this kid is going to take some thumps. Like, it, I'm thinking of Serge Ibaka guarding him or Patrick Patterson or P.J. Tucker. They see, will beat this kid up. I see Jason Tatum as kind of like, you know, like just kind of like a slight fill-in at the third position. Someone can put 15 points on the board. In, In the NBA? When they eventually sign, you know, um, like a Paul you George. You think he's going to average 15 Butler. points per game next I think year? He'll put up, I think he'll put up offensive starting small Ten, numbers. if he's lucky. He barely did that in college. I can see him putting. I think he's going to be one of the higher scoring players coming out of the college this year. I think he might be the highest scoring player, with the exception of Markel Fultz. I'm not quite he sure. He would be lucky to average double digits as a rookie. I agree. I see Markel Fultz at 15. Or not Markel Fultz, sorry, Jason Tatum. All right, going down to four, Josh Jackson, Phoenix Suns. Oh. Uh, I guess well, maybe the, the reason I hate that pick. The puzzle. So you, I, I personally think this is a fantastic, fantastic pick. How I got lucky. an A plus on this sorry, pick for the, for the Phoenix yes. Suns. Absolutely. Yeah. You're looking at you're looking a plus, at a plus for the Suns. You're looking at Devin Booker being. 20, you look at Josh Jackson being 19 and what, you got Dragon Bender and Marcus very Chris nice. at 19 it's as well. Nice you have there. a really great foundation, you know, you have really good young guys who also are not sort of similar players, you know, like Devin Booker is a prototypical oh, score, yeah. three-point shooter, Josh Jackson's that lockdown defender who can guard multiple positions. Jackson will slash, mm -hmm. Booker will shoot. It's a beautiful, beautiful tandem. One of the best pickups in the draft for sure. I, it, it, I agree with you. A plus on that. Mm -hmm. I also give it an A plus, and this is one of the main reasons why I think Boston. Uh, I give that a C, is because I think Josh Jackson was there, and they got way too hooked on on Tatum, like I was saying. So the other thing I was going to say about that is I think Boston. There was a lot of speculation about the trade. Um, if Boston's going to trade that pick, what I think happened was I think honestly, uh, Indiana wanted Josh Jackson, Boston wanted Tatum. It came down to there was just not enough time left. I guess Indiana said if you draft him, we can maybe keep talking. They decided not to do that. So now going forward, I'm not a firm believer right. that Paul George is going to go to Boston. So was They're going to target Gordon issue, Hayward Sorry, instead. Brandon. Was there an issue with Josh Jackson not working out for Boston? Yeah, he, ref he – uh, so Brad Stevens and a couple other members of the Boston Celtics uh, coaching staff actually flew out to Sacramento – from Boston to uh, watch Josh Jackson try out. Or? No, I think he was, he's from San Diego. I guess he was in Sacramento doing some playing or whatever. Okay, yeah, okay. exactly. And uh, called them mid-flight and essentially told them that uh, he won't have enough time to try out or something within that line. Um, what I was gonna, trying to get at with you, though, is you're, you're talking about Josh Jackson going through the Boston Celtics. Don't you kind of feel like there might be too many of the sort of same sort of player and like a Marcus Smart, Avery, Avery Bradley, sort of Jay Crowder, even Jalen Brown type of guy who are slashers and don't really have a great outside shot. Like, don't you feel like it would limit Josh Jackson playing time based on the fact that he hasn't really had an established outside shot? And if you put him on the court with guys like Marcus Smart, like starters on the team, guys that need playing time as well, that would kind of create a log jam offensively. For me, it's about taking the best player in the draft in right. this position. So it's and a trade ship, I guess. Yes, and honestly, for me, also it's another it's a trade asset as well. Right, right. That if you trade okay, players yeah. like Marcus yeah. Smart and Brat and Avery and those kind of players, you can have him slot in and get minutes all of a sudden out of nowhere. Uh, even if Paul George comes into the system, it's just again less players makes more opportunity. Gotcha. So for me, I think it's more so that that's what I was thinking. Sorry, if, just before we move on, if I could, do you remember when? Uh, it was at the trade deadline when Boston didn't ultimately decide to pull the trigger on a trade because they wanted to keep their pick. Do you remember that? Who was that for? Paul George, Jimmy Butler? The trade I remember, 
concerning Boston Celtics and draft picks is when they were trying to trade up and get Frank Kaminsky, I think, 11th. No, no, no. Charlotte they, picked them. That's the only thing that comes to mind when it comes this to... This year's trade deadline, Boston was trying to get a player to help Isaiah Thomas, and the asking price was their first-round pick. Jimmy Butler? Yeah, it was Jimmy Butler. And they were like, no, we're not going to give our first-round pick. Be- we'll get we'll, we'll get to know that a little bit. But now I'm looking later. at that and being like, wouldn't, like, re- so you now have this kid... So what Tatum. I what wouldn't I read in that situation got, wouldn't you have wanted right so what I read in the situation was that Boston and Chicago weren't having any conversation regarding Jimmy Butler leading up to the draft they no, weren't no. really throwing no I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I, I know no I know what you mean I know deadline. what you mean at the trade deadline the inclusion of the pick and them coming them down now and making this horrendous trade I'm just saying that like they were having conversation about potentially getting Jimmy Butler at the trade deadline last so season, st- yeah, but yeah. now the dialogue didn't kind of transfer over into the offseason. Okay. All right, moving down to number five, we got Deron Fox going to Sacramento Kings. Um, Greg, what do you think? How does this uh, fit with the Sacramento Kings, one of the shittiest organizations in the NBA? Oh, I love Vladdy <laughs> Divots. My boy, uh, I like that kid Fox. He's he's a competitor. He's like John Wall, a little less muscular. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's like an Allen Iverson type player. He gets buckets. Like again, I saw him play against Lonzo Ball, and he outplayed Lonzo Ball in that game in terms of scoring the ball one on one. The left-handed John Wall. So Graffin, do you see any limitations with his skill set when it comes to his shooting technique? Yes, he's not a great shooter right now. So what's a good player comp for him? Like his max potential, in your opinion? Well, I think honestly, John Wall is a pretty good like uh, comparison. Like a Just, John Wall light, or like an actual John Wall superstar point guard. A John Wall superstar point guard. I think this guy could be that eventually. That, again, this draft is loaded with talent. It's one of the drafts that again we hopefully will look at it's ten years down the road and say, I can't believe yeah. this guy was picked there and this guy was picked like that position. It's going to be one that I think there's a lot of stars even in the teens. I would love so, to see Boston take it on the chin with Tatum. <laughs> same. Uh, and I think it's going to happen. But for Fox... Homer podcast, I'm, baby. I'm going to give them an A. Um, Sacramento just needs to get the best player. They, they're, they're, the whole team exactly. right now is completely I'm with you in shambles. Well, yeah, so yep. f- for me, Fox, they got lucky almost that he slipped to five. But even if he didn't slip to five, they would have got Josh Jackson. So it was a win-win situation. I think the whole time Sacramento didn't want to trade their five pick, but was looking to trade their ten pick because they knew that they were going to get someone of that kind of caliber. Well, they were considering flipping 5 and 10 for a brief moment a couple of weeks ago to move oh, up to number 3, but I think they kind of came to realization of how the draft would eventually kind of... Yeah, and I think they out. really wanted number 1. I really think they were trying to get number 1 from Boston before Philly came in and made the deal with the number 3. All right. But- Going down to number six, guys. I'm going to speed this up a bit. Uh, Jonathan Isaac going to the Orlando Magic. Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. Big, lengthy, uh, I guess small forward, forward, combo forward player. Uh, what are your impressions of this player, guys? You were high on that kid, right? You, you, you're you high on this kid, right? I just, I, I just like him. I don't think he's going to be like uh, an exceptional scorer in the league, but I think he just fits in with the kind of lengthy, long three-point shooting, sort of uh, low-post presence, a guy you can kind of play. I I think you could play Isaac at center at some point in his career. Yeah, I think... I mean, the Magic have a... That organization doesn't know what they're doing. They they took this kid. Obviously, he's going to play big man minutes. We'll see how it all turns out. I don't know much about him. I know know about him through you. Uh, When I was watching the draft, they mentioned how he used to be a guard. And then he grew a bunch. And that usually means that the player has good a good skill set, mm-hmm. and he's still growing into his body. So he has amazing upside in that in in that regard. I mean, so they have Biombo, him, Vucevic. Keep, keep it or keep in mind for one second though that Isaac will be playing three. He has an outside shot. And he's a confident three point shooter. How tall as well. is he? Six foot ten. Six ten. Yeah. He's a seven footer almost, and he'll be playing the three. He, he should be playing the three next year. He's not ben physically Simmons big enough seven. to be able really to play the, the four three. right now, yeah. but he has a fantastic outside shot, and he can grow in his body. He's still a kid, right? But I'm, I think that is a legit concern because, like you said, yeah, is Mac Biombo signed to $17 million a year That's for what the I next mean. four like, years. Yeah, but the draft pick, when we talk about this, you got to factor in who should Orlando take, especially considering who's after him, what Laurie Orcanon, Dennis Smith Jr., considering they already have like a guy like Alfred Payton Jr. I don't know how big you are of Alfred Payton Jr. I personally don't like him, but they have invested so much time into a point guard already that logistically speaking, but the only player they should be drafting why not surround him with shooters is, and get Mark Kinnon? Or Malik Monk. Or Malik Monk. Right. To me, I would have looked to do a, to draft a point guard. I think the, the Alfred Payton experiment there is 
kind of coming with to an all end. the point guards they kind of coming to draft, an end. Right. Um, for me, it probably would have been Dennis Smith Jr. I got a B for this pick at, at this pick. So for me, I have a C plus because uh, I do like Jonathan Isaac, but he's going to have to fill out. This guy is so skilled. He's, he's, he's not. I give it an A minus. I, I just good. think he has he's a lot big. of upside. I think he. Uh, he's like a very, very, very. It's a very, risky pick. Like C minus D plus light version of Kevin Durant. I think he could develop into at least a competent starting. This forward. is probably the riskiest pick in the top ten for me. And uh, and Laurie really? Markkanen is next. So see, yes. See, this is the riskiest pick in my opinion. Laurie Markkanen going to the Chicago Bulls. I love I love Laurie Markkanen going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I, I he's a guy who grew on me in the draft. Um, you know, you, you don't see too many guys of his size, of his kind of fleet of footness, uh, physical fluidity, and having one of the best shots in the goddamn draft. Best a player like player that. Of all but my time. issue with him is his defensive presence, and you can't play him in the fourth quarter. You can only play him in certain situations because he's so not he's not competent at all as a defender. Um, Keep in mind, he could grow into a decent, decent defender. But I, I like them on Minnesota, and I like the pairing of Carl Anthony Towns. I don't like him on Chicago. We've seen what happens when you have kind of stretch four, got bigs who can't really defend, who can shoot the three. We've seen a Nikolai Meritage. I just, I, I don't like the fit in Chicago. I don't think Laurie McCann's a bad basketball player, and I think he will be a good basketball player, but I don't think he's going to be a good fit in Chicago. I think Chicago is the worst organization in the NBA right now. Yesterday was a complete fucking fiasco. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I just don't like the fit of Mark Cannon in Chicago. I'm, but I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I disagree with you on echo, that. I'm going to echo Brandon's sentiments. Uh, I think that although the Knicks get so much heat from the mainstream media because they're all like based out of New York and want to get ratings, and their 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 broadcasters aren't real journalists, they're celebrity gossipers. They go after the Zen Master, but really, I think Chicago is the worst-run organization. They have driven a championship-contending team into the ground, and they are now officially in rebuild, and the core of that rebuild is the finish flash. Sorry, Derek Rose's knees suck. No, it was more than that. Was it? yeah. Oh my God! Let's get okay. So the the the, the trade up to draft Doug McDermott, who developed into nothing, then trading Doug McDermott. Yeah. And like and, and Taj Gibson, who was not a fan, like a, an incredible starting power forward, but he's been on that team for so goddamn long, and he's a good veteran presence as well. Fred Hoiberg. Flipping them for Cameron Payne and Joffrey Levine, and then trading what Bell, the thirty eighth pick in this draft for three point five million dollars, the Golden State Warriors, second round players. Like Signing we talked Rondo, about last Wade. week, Rafa. Like we what talked about this do? last week, buddy. We talked about the second round gems in the NBA, and a team like Chicago Bulls needs to actively go out and find players like that. And for them to give up that, on a guy at 38th, Brandon, they're used to man, free agent signings, right? Because they're a big destination. That's yeah. why they got Wade and Rondo. Honestly, the whole uh, front office there in Chicago needs to get let go. I could. So here's my. I, I disagree with you guys. I think that they do have. Again, it, this is kind of the blow up plan. It's one of those things where you're you're blowing up your team on purpose they so that they can kind of go it up down. Two years ago, though, that's hard to say. You just said that they're a team that, again, that's that's hard to say when you should blow Why them up. Why do you sign Dwayne Wade to that contract? They I'm basically wanted to bring talent. him home. Yeah, like, like Raph, like, I they know basically they, wanted to bring him. home. I know home. they traded at for the cost of, right? Like at the now cost he's of, on the books. But they weren't winning last year. When. Last year, the Bulls. They weren't a team that you knew was like you knew before the season even so started. So blow it up then. Don't sign a guy to make you semi relevant. Well, perfect. Do you agree with me? We should blow the Raptors up before next season starts because the they're not going to win. Bulls. But do you not see what I'm saying? Very different. Position. It's very easy to say blow them up in hindsight. Whereas if you no, look I at the said- Raptors, it's a little different, man. Look at a team like uh, you think any team that is on the cusp. You think you should just blow them up? The whole Dwayne Wade contract. I think they're just bringing them home. I think they're just paying him to bring him back to Chicago to keep fans there. But I think this blow-up did start last year, like you said. The only thing I disagree with what their organization did, maybe if beyond a little bit of the trades, up, is giving the giving the second-round pick for the $3.5 million. I don't understand up, that at all. Have draft, they wouldn't have signed Dwayne Wade to a multi-million dollar lengthy deal. Who accepts his player and option a, for $24 million this season. Two year, yeah, it's right? A two like, year contract. It's a two-year contract. So that means that their plan for the 2018-2019, basically that, that season, if you look at their books right now, because Cameron Payne, he only makes $3.2 million. If they didn't sign Wade, Chris Dunn only makes $4.2 million. See, like, like, they could have tanked this year, and they could have mm-hmm. got a lottery pick. So going to Chris That's Dunn, what they would have done if they're blowing it up. They don't know what the fuck they're doing there. So so graphing going to Chris Dunn the trade. You know you got Chris Dunn, you got Zach Levine. 
do you think it probably would have made more sense for them to draft a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. or Malik Monk, like a guy, like a primary immediate score, like a guy who can put up, you know, 12, 13, 14 points off the bat and kind of build around over the long term instead of a long-term project like Laurie Markkanen? For me, there's no team that's suited more for a long-term project than the Bulls. That's a good point. So good point. I don't, I, I really don't. They'll take their lumps, they'll be patient with them. They might put them in the D-League. They have, they, they have the, like, they're in the right situation where they, they could, you know, they have enough space in their roster, years, I think, right? to, to get him 15, 20 minutes a game. Well, what right I'm trying to, yeah, but uh, so what I'm trying to get is Hoybers. that you're right, because if any team in the NBA that has a patience right now when it comes to blowing up their organization to draft a guy with as much upside as Laurie McCannon, it's probably the Chicago Bulls. All right, guys, let's move it back down a bit. Number eight, the New York Knicks drafting Frankie Nikilna? Nikilina? What the fuck is his name? Nikina. All right, Greg, what do you think of this pick, brother? Love it. A plus. Do I need to explain why? Yes, please. Can you? Well, triangle offense. He fits the triangle offense, and he has a seven foot two reach. Uh, Good defensive player. I will. Poor man, Zobin Mitchell, in my opinion. I will wager (laughs) that all the hype of these American players that this kid coming out of France might just be the best point guard in the draft. Talk about a project. We're talking about. Lori Markkanen as a project. This guy is a project. You have to wait a long time before he's good. Couple of years, him and Porzingis are going to dominate in a few years. I love the pick for New York. He's a solid kid, solid player, great passer, great defender, amazing athlete, perfect fit for the triangle offense because he played in Europe, so he knows how to play real basketball, not American superstar ball like they're on Fox. See, like, see, there's only issue with this draft. Like, you, like it's I bet you like this kid will be the listen, best player listen. in the draft. This goes for like a fucked up reason why I don't like this draft, but like, what the fucking New York Knicks fans have gone through within the last like five, ten years. All the bullshit year after fucking year, alienating Kristabis Porzingis, just destroying the, the, the psyche of Carmelo Anthony. I felt like the sorry, New York you Knicks. Feel bad give for me the a New second. Give me a second. I'm, I'm asking you, you feel bad for the Knicks. I feel bad for the fan base because the, the team base? is run so poorly. Why? And I just like the idea of them drafting a guy like Malik Monk. He just makes sense oh on the team. God. He's a big, you know, big lights, you know, shows up and like the biggest most doesn't play defense. To me, it should have been Dennis Smith Jr. Doesn't or, rebound. Or Dennis Smith Jr. I'm down for Dennis Smith Jr. Very similar players. My, and some none of them are as fundamentally sound as this pick. This is a fundamentally sound basketball. Yeah, but player Frank, Frank's upside. one of those. Yeah, but we we talked about this last week. Like if we t- if we uh, if Luke Kennard was from fucking France or Europe or something, Luke Kennard be a top ten player. It's the sexiness involved with having a European point guard. No, I don't not. know why you draft him over Dennis Smith Jr. That makes absolutely no sense to me. How? In what proven situation where he's played he's limited played, minutes in a men's league when Dennis Smith Jr. on a shitty North Carolina league. State hey, organization? Men's league. He's playing on the Euro Champions. Okay, Euro Champions. It's not men's league. Okay, the kid has played professional basketball. Maybe, maybe I just hate European basketball players. He's a, I'm kidding, he's I'm a, kidding. he's won, he's won awards playing at the international level. He's a winner, and he's a good kid. This when you listen to Malik Monk talk about ball, the the kid is an an American AAU baby. I don't think. Phil Jackson wants him in his organization. He's the next Dante Exum. Yeah. Well, there you go, right? Like, so w- when we're talking about, you know, why the Knicks did what they did, I think they did it because they picked a great basketball player. I'm telling you, this kid will turn out to be, if not the best point guard in the draft, second or third. Willing He's to no wager some money, Greg. I'll do the Dennis Sub Jr. Frank Nikina bet into next season for 20 bucks, and we'll have the better rookie year. The rookie year might not go to him, mm-hmm. but the career will go to him. You just see the way that the I've 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 watched this kid play. He's a he's a cerebral basketball player. He's a great defender. He's he's fundamentally sound. Dennis Smith Jr. is a great athlete. I got Frank as a B minus draft pick. I'm sure you got it as an A A plus. It's his pro, his prospect aside for the Knicks. I think it makes a a sense. A, a plus sense? sense. Okay, perfect. All because right. it, it fits with Porzingis, don't you see? They can run the pick and roll with... If Porzingis is still a New York Knick by next year. All right, guys, going down to number nine, Dennis Smith Jr. going to the Dallas Mavericks from North Carolina State. Um, very athletic point guard, very springy, uh, decent jumper, uh, decent outside shot, but primarily a slasher. Graffin, what do you grade this pick? I love this pick. For me, this pick's an A+. Plus. Uh, I really... Really like Dennis Smith Jr. I think his game's going to translate really well into the NBA. Just kind of that high gear 
type of player who's a slasher. Um, really goes well. Should I think, the Knicks have drafted him? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Although... Well, as opposed to... Thinking about how they play. Well, as opposed to who? Who they picked. Well, that's who they picked, and I like the pick. No, no, the Knicks. Should the Knicks have drafted him? Yeah. That's what I'm Over... Saying. Dennis Smith Jr. I just see him as more of like a dynamic scorer than Frank. Um, like I think he's the kind of guy who's going to put, put points up the board like immediately. He's the kind of guy you can like put as a starting point guard immediately as well. Frank to me is just not is not proven in any way. So what to do me, you mean? it's very he plays professional basketball. Yeah, but there's so there's this kid limited not, playing one year of college basketball is not the same as playing multiple years of pro. Yeah, but we've said that that's about, proven. There's a proven in what way? There's so many players that have played you're in, playing in international. Men. You're playing real professional. You're playing on a pro schedule. You're traveling. You're getting paid. That's proven. College players in the NCAA are not one and done prospects. Are not proven. I'm well, sorry. Well, this, they are just prospects. I think it's just a lot. I think it's a lot of hype. A lot of these international players who are, who are proven Whoa, and all of a sudden are going hype on international players. Absolutely. No. Oh yeah, I'm the American media. Baby. <laughs> oh yeah, the American media just loving to hype up the European talent because that's great for the NCAA. No, it works the other way. European players get drafted lower than usually what their ceiling is Draft because them. the American players are put on a pedestal. Terrence Ferguson is averaging, I think, 3.5 points a game in the Australian Men's League the right only now. Reason is and, he was drafted, and he was drafted yeah. like in the top 20. So how, you don't think there's any hype around this guy because there's a little mystique? If, that if guy's he didn't play in Australia, NCAA, he would have been drafted. If he's in playing in the NCAA and averages those numbers, he wouldn't even be spoken about in this draft. Terrence Ferguson? Yes. Who would he go to again? Oklahoma uh, City Thunder, yeah. 20 f- second. Where's the hype at a 24th pick? He was a what top 15 fringe. Pro- what are you talking the- about? He went 20-something? The sorry, sorry, Greg's destroying was, our speakers the, here. <laughs> the hype? The 23rd pick was the Raptors pick, and everyone's saying it's the steal of the draft. That's one pick before you're saying, what's, where's the hype? What do you mean, where's the hype? No, uh, what I'm saying is... Last night's draft European was one of the best drafts ever. players aren't given hype. It's the reverse. American players get the hype. And the American media that wants them to draft My example kids. of Terrence Ferguson goes exactly against everything what you say. What did he get drafted? He got drafted... 20-something. Where's the hype in a 20-something pick? He was later on in the draft. This draft is very deep. Like, are you telling me that a late? You're telling me that a first round pick, a late first round pick, is has no capability to be good in the NBA? No. What I'm telling you is, in terms of hype and picking up prospects, saying, "Oh, an Australian kid went 23, 24," doesn't disprove my point that really American kids get the benefit of the doubt. The 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 kid that the Knicks picked it wasn't because of hype. It's because he's a proven player internationally. He's a good player. All right, guys, we are about 36 minutes down. Let's keep us rolling. We're at number 10. We'll keep it at top 10, actually. I know we said uh, top 12. Let's roll down to top 10. So number 10, this, yeah, obviously, the man himself, OG, but we'll keep it at number 10 right now. So a little bit of a trade. Uh, I guess the Sacramento Kings flipped the 10th pick to the Portland Trailblazers for 15 and 20. I'm going to personally start with this one. I absolutely hated this trade. I think when it comes to this draft, what we're talking about is a top heavy heavy depth. Top 10, 10 players in the draft who many consider to be transcendent, once-in-a-generation type talents. Not once-in-a-generation, but really you know, great guys who can kind of contribute to a team immediately off the bat. I think trading this pick for 15-20 and trading down in this type of draft is a horrible move. I like trading down if the Raptors position, if we didn't get OG, if we trade down for 23 to get two second-round picks. But I don't like the idea of trading the 10th pick down to 15 and 20. And I don't really like who uh, who they drafted as well. I think Zach Collins is going to be a great fit for the Portland Trailblazers. Personally, I think Malik Monk has some higher upside, but I think Zach Collins is the kind of guy that they can kind of sit on for a couple years, let him develop slowly, like maybe Laurie McCannon in that sort of situation with the Timberwolves. Maybe Portland's a little bit better team right now, but they do have the opportunity to be a little more patient with them. Zach Collins, fantastic seven-foot player, played 18 minutes per game in Gonzaga, but his per 48, I guess, uh, points per minute or what the fuck I'm trying to say, looked fantastic. The guy looked like a decent basketball player, three-point shot, decent rebounder. What do you think, Griffin? I like his defensive game, and that's the one thing I think is a little underrated for him. Um, oh, great point. He, he's a great, he's a great shooter. I think everybody knows that, and he's a great. Uh, he's seven. He's seven. He's a seven-footer. So any seven-footer that comes in the league that can shoot, that can actually move their feet, the bouncy is, is going to be. That's the modern-day four, even yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So he can be even if they really want to stretch the floor and go five with him, but. I like I like what Portland looks like sort of next year. I know the the their contracts and their salary situation is 
awful. But just at the end of last year with Jokic going there and what they were doing, I think Portland actually for a full season and them all playing together with Lillard and McCollum, they're going to be good. It's going to be a good environment for Zach Collins to learn in. I'm not the highest on Zach Collins himself. I probably... I probably would have went Luke Kennard, maybe even at, with this pick, just with the way that the team's structured, or or maybe even Monk. But for me, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's a it's a B minus. Yeah, like they had, they're already so guard heavy on that team. Like CJ yeah, exactly. McCollum and Damian Lillard probably wouldn't make sense to draft another guard. And I think Zach uh, Zach Collins is probably the best fit. Um, all right, guys, going to our hometown Toronto Raptors at number three. At number three, <laughs> we drafted OG Ananobi. From Indiana, a guy who many pundits had in the top 15, who a couple writers for the Ringer actually, during their mock draft, placed him at 7th. 7th overall in the draft, and we picked him up at 23rd overall. Who he himself said he'd be in the top 5 if it wasn't for the injury. All right, so we're talking about a guy who missed the majority of his rookie season with ACL injury. He might miss next year as well. Um, Sorry, his last year in college. He might miss all of next year as well. But that's kind of the reason why we're allowed to draft a player with this much upside at 23. Um, you know, anybody who has a physique, you would expect for a guy whose older brother fucking played in the NFL as well and has incredible lateral quickness and vertical explosiveness for a six foot eight forward. Like, he is a fucking dynamite defender, man. Like, getting him at 23 is absolutely insane, man. This is a perfect, perfect fit. This is exactly what we need. A guy who can guard multiple positions. Maybe he doesn't have an efficient jumper quite yet, but it's something he can work on in the long run. But you have someone right off the bat that can guard three positions. Greg, what do you feel about this pick, buddy? Yeah, I, I feel like this is something that you were saying the Raptors need to be doing, right, when we have a late draft. Pick. High upside, man, high upside. Yeah, fi- find those gems uh, a la San Antonio Spurs. Guys that had an injury, but you know what? They're going to recover from it, and they drop down because of it. Yeah, when I when I looked up the draft pick, because I didn't even know who this kid was, because mm-hmm. I don't do this whole prospect gambling that you guys do, right? But when I looked up the the draft after, when I looked up who this kid was after we drafted him, uh, seeing the athleticism, some of the plays that he's put together, and yeah, he doesn't have an amazing three-point shot yet. Well, he's a career 36.5% three-point which shooter is at fine, college level. Which is just fine. Because that's not his, he's not going to be coming in and expected to uh, nail threes. I see this guy in a few years, assuming he stays healthy, being an elite wing defender in the NBA. I think mm-hmm. we got a steal. And most importantly, if I may, he fits into the Raptors culture. You, they, they, they interviewed him. He was, uh, you know, mild-mannered. You know, he, he's going to fit within Dwayne Casey's pound the rock philosophy. He's going to be able to play hard-nosed defense, work hard. He's a great athlete. And that's the number one thing, man. The Raptors are becoming one of the most athletic and strong teams in the league. And I can always get behind that. So I I love the pick. I really do. I love the pick, too. And I think... He has all the physical tools, and this may sound crazy, but it's it's, it's he's got the raw talent and the physicality and the the length, especially. I think he has a seven three wingspan, but something almost like a similar seven, to like six, actually. something like a Greek freak Dude, kind of seven, uh, six potential. That's like that's fucked. that's a high ceiling, but at the same he has time, a foot and wingspan over his height. That is nuts. He has, he's not skinny either. The kid is. The kid is strong. That's my favorite part, I think, is, well, beyond his attitude, where he's just sort of, he answers questions very short. He's very straight yes, to the point. soft I really like that. Man. I love well, that. But he's also a little bit cocky uh, in the same way. He's because Exactly. Confident. So it's good. So I think that he's going to come in and make an impact on the Raptors right away. So just so to I throw some stats out here right now. So per 40 minutes, in the limited time he played this season, his third year for Indiana, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2.1 steals, 2.1 blocks. Those are oh, fucking numbers oh, right there, oh, man. I love that. Jesus Christ, man. No, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic pickup. I don't think he's going to be like a Kawhi Leonard, Draymond Green, but I think he's going to be like... Why a, not? I, I see him... Who knows, man? But I, I he stays healthy. This is going to be like a really weird comparison, but I see him as a more competent, offensive Alfarik Aminu on a Portland Trailblazer. Like a guy who's like a lockdown defender on multiple positions, but a guy who can also score, unlike Alfarik Aminu. I'm a no, big, I'm big not Aminu guy. because Aminu isn't the athlete that he is. He has his length. Uh, they were comparing him to Andre Iguodala. Maybe not with... Uh, Iguodala's offensive uh, acumen, but I, I would say that much a better upside, defense. But I think well, the guy can dunk. I mean, all of, from, from what I've seen from his videos and his highlights and stuff yeah, like that, he's got a dunks. very good first step. 
um, especially baby. especially in the in the triple threat position. He's good at sort of faking his shot and then going right around a defender. And as soon as he gets one little half step on you, you need, he's yeah. dunking. So he has that sort of LeBron finishing sort of mentality when he gets as soon as he gets a little bit by you, he's got the body frame to actually finish. Love that about he him. He looks to me like the modern NBA athlete. He's going to have to work on his passing, though. I think for me, that's the number one thing that he has <laughs> After to his own pass. Well, not with, <laughs> not with Dwayne Casey leading the charge, no. All right, guys, rolling this down. Let's uh, bring up a couple massive, massive, massive piece of news that happened yesterday. We mentioned it before in the podcast. Jimmy Butler is the newest member of the Minnesota Timberwolves, reunited with Mr. Tom Thibodeau. Um, Graffin, what, what is the Minnesota Timberwolves upside coming into next season? You know, we got a foundation of Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Ricky Rubio, Gorgie Dang, what have you. Are they competing for the championship next year, or are they kind of still a pretender? Look, I on paper, they should be competing for a championship next year, especially when you consider the fact that Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns sh- should be getting better every single year, and next year could be one of those breakout years. You're kind of waiting for it from both of them at any time, even though Carl Anthony Towns has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Butler is going to bring them to become a team like the Spurs or the... They're going to be kind of like a Utah or like a Clippers, I feel like, where they're going to be good, maybe like a five or a six, but they're never going to get through the second round of the playoffs. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Jimmy Butler on that team, and for me it's just a, a good regular season followed by a disappointing playoffs. That's I, what I predict for I them. think Andrew Wiggins definitely needs a team to turn a corner of the season. Um, you know, there, there could be some sort of uh, offensive uh I guess, sorry, offensive issues, especially when it comes to the three-point shot with this organization. Um, you know, you got two guys who are competent shooters, but they're not necessarily known for their outside shooting. Uh, Greg, how do you feel about this team? How do you feel like, especially on the guys of Tom Thibodeau, another familiar face from the Chicago Bulls era? Uh, next year or two, three years down the road? Both? I would say next year, they're 100% a playoff team. They should win a playoff series. Gratman's right, they might get knocked out. Uh, second, for sure, third round. But moving forward, this is a power in the Western Conference. There's there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. You put put a couple more players in the mix. Oh, you know, there's three is in there. You guys put too much emphasis on the three. There's only one team ever that's won NBA championships shooting threes. And that's the Golden State Warriors. And you know what? When you have the three best shooters in the league, you could do that. Cleveland did it too when they won. No, they have LeBron James. LeBron James ain't shooting no threes. Yeah, look at the threes. Look at the, the stats when they won that series. No, no, no but, but, but it's based the most threes in a game. All, all I'm saying is the fact that they don't have trademark three-point shooters yet doesn't mean that they're not going to be a contending team. Well, the NBA is no different from other leagues. It's a copycat league. When the winning team does something a certain way, every other team tries to do that same yeah, thing. Until the, until the next trend hits. All, 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 all I'm saying is this is a real contender in a few years i really believe that i think you devalue jimmy butler jimmy butler is a top 15 player in the nba he he i have seen him i am so glad he is out of the eastern conference i have he has ripped the raptors heart out and eaten it over the span of the last five years like he he makes DeRozan look afraid he has really being the thorn in our side. That's why the Bulls beat us 12 times in a row. And the trade itself is complete, utter bullshit. You know, they're you getting... Zach wet. Levine? See, Zach no Levine... No problem, man. See, Zach Chris Levine Dunn? coming off an ACL injury who depends on athleticism. Chris Dunn, who showed next to nothing, not even back Ricky up Rubio played him out of his... Last year Yo, as well. Plus, the what, Wolves why are, are they, for real. Graffin, why are they giving up a, the 16th pick as well in this trade? Like, that's that's my biggest confusion. Why is there the, the 16th Austin? That's what I don't. That's the one thing I don't understand why that pick was kind of thrown in there as well. Um, but I don't dislike this trade as much as you guys do. I know a lot. Most people hate this trade for Chicago. For, for Chicago I don't. But think I don't. It's I don't mind it at all. Jimmy it's, Butler. It, to me, it's great. More for, okay. So the one how do get. you know that though? Paul George's value completely devalued Butler going forward. Is your so, value from this trade based on Laurie McCannon? Is it a curiosity, or is it based well, the on seventh the round pick? Right. I think. In, in, pick. Exactly yeah. in a, in a in a draft where. Easily 10 people could be NBA superstars, mm-hmm. or at least very, very good so, players. So and you also got three guys who, even though Levine was 11th, I think, but three guys who were drafted within the la- top 10 within the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Chris okay. Dunn was it's drafted okay above Chicago Buddy Hill. Hold on, I'm not saying it doesn't benefit Chicago in a sense, but Jimmy Butler to the Wolves, while you're keeping Wiggins and Towns, 
That's big time. And 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 Jang and Rubio is gonna find them. Like that is going to be a team with Tibbs running the show. Butler played with Tibbs. They're gonna be a force, man. That that those wolves are going to be feasting. To me, it's just a team that is gonna be too young for too long. Where Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins, they're never gonna go like I said, they're gonna do good in the regular season, most likely. It's gonna get to the playoffs, they'll get knocked out. That happens two or three years in a row, then they become free they can have a player option. Then what? That's where it really becomes down to did they do enough to keep those kind of players? You could say or, that about any young team. No, but I'm saying it specifically about Minnesota, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Well, look, you can never guarantee anything, but they've put enough talent there to make something happen. They have enough talent there to challenge Golden State in a few years. I really think that. Jimmy Butler is big time. He is ready to win now, and Wiggins and Butler on the wing, like, that is insane. See, like, that is the best wing tandem in the league. See, my biggest issue with maybe this trade, Thompson and and Durant would be better. See, I think what the depend like this this whole trade, the whole thing I'm looking at right now, and I know Laurie McCannon went to the Bulls, seventh overall pick, Jimmy Butler is the newest min- member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. But what, what I think it all kind of falls down to is who is Chris Dunn, and is Chris Dunn a NBA caliber starting point guard? Yeah, he, that's a good point. He's a senior coming out of Providence, drafted fifth overall last year. He's 23 years of age, and he looked like jack shit last year. He was playing backyard minutes, rookie Rubio, backup minutes, sorry, to Ricky Rubio. And, and really didn't perform as a point guard. We'll see what they can get out of him this year. But realistically, I don't see him as having much upside. I don't think he's ever going to be a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. Out. He's 23. Yeah. He's so young. No. He's a, sec- a second-year point a, guard at 23, though. That's not that young for though. a guard. He's Guards drafted, are, abo- as a senior he's drafted a above a lot of players that currently in the NBA just because they had the opportunity. Again, like you said, he's been stuck sort of behind Ricky Rubio no, 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 but he, for a long that time. Job well, he was getting, he was Rubio he, outplayed him. Yeah, he was given starting point guard minutes to start the season last year, and then Ricky Rubio just replaced him eventually. Like, Chris Dunn didn't really look that, like, look terrible, I should be honest with you. I loved him coming out of college, and I'm still high on Chris Dunn, and I'm a big fan of him, and I hope to God he does develop, but I don't really have, a, like, I'm not really big on the guy, to be completely honest with you. All right, guys, we're running down to 50 minutes, keeping a little longer than expected. I apologize, but we'll be back next week with a couple more draft notes to talk about, as well as the whole Kyle Lowry situation. Maybe he'll be a uh, reset a long-term contract with the Toronto Raptors. I would also like to talk about Lonzo Ball. And we'll get into the Lonzo Ball conversation next week, as well as a couple undrafted gems and second-round gems by yours truly, Christian Graffin. Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. This is Toronto Basketball Matters, and have a fantastic evening. Good night. Good night.